This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. We have been lied to. Every single element of what we were told January 6th, 2021 was an insurrection, a deadly insurrection, a violent riot a coup attempt, an effort incited by Trump to subvert our constitutional republic. Of course, the left doesn't ever tell you that it's a republic. They just say subvert our democracy. Every element of that was a lie. And now finally, what is it, two years later? We have proof of this. Tucker Carlson aired never-before-seen footage from inside and around the Capitol that proved that we were correct that proved that the January 6th committee, the mainstream media, elected Democrats, the FBI, Biden himself, lied to us over and over and over, which is bad enough. No one likes to be lied to. But this lie was used as justification, not only to go after Trump, but to go after people who support Trump, to paint us as inherently bad, inherently evil, inherently violent insurrectionists. And the same people falsely labeling us with those names then used it as a justification for the federal government to crack down on us. There's a reason, by the way, that a recent Rasmussen survey found that 61% of the American people, and this, by the way, is not just Republicans, This is Democrats, 57% of Democrats, 61% of people overall believe that the federal government, the feds played a role in encouraging or staging January 6th. The reason that we all feel that way is because it was obvious that we were lied to and now we have the video footage to prove it. Tucker Carlson aired it. We're going to break it down bit by bit. Let's get right to it. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Okay, Tucker Carlson aired never-before-seen footage of in and around the Capitol on January 6th, 2021, a day that Kamala Harris told us at the time would live in infamy to the extent that Pearl Harbor does, that September 11th does. 
Now we have video footage that proves that that is a despicable and utter and outright lie, and that the people telling the lie, they knew it was a lie. It wasn't a mistake. They didn't, it wasn't an exaggeration. They knew they were lying to you, and they lied to you knowing that you could never see the proof that disproved the lies that they were telling you. So they saw the footage, knew it was a lie, but they lied to you anyway because they thought you would never see the footage. Well, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy released the video footage to Tucker Carlson, and this is just a little bit of what we saw, the QAnon shaman who became the face of January 6th. And what I mean by the face of January 6th, the mainstream media chose this guy who was dressed up. I mean, he's a performance artist. He was dressed in this ridiculous outfit um, with horns and fur, and I think he was shirtless, but he, he looks absurd, right? They used this guy to stereotype every Trump supporter as being some kind of violent, crazed lunatic that breached the Capitol, when in reality, what do the videotapes at the Capitol show? It shows no such thing when it comes to the QAnon shaman, shaman, whose name, by the way, whose real name is Jacob Chansley. He sits in prison right now for what? This is what he did at the Capitol. Take a look. Dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison, far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show that Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building. So right now, as we're watching this video footage for the first time, it wasn't released. Nancy Pelosi refused to release it when she was Speaker of the House, because the Speaker of the House controls the Capitol Police. So at the time, Speaker Pelosi controlled the Capitol Police, controlled these these videos. She refused to release them to the American people. The January 6th committee was allowed access to them. That we'll talk about in just a moment. But here's my question. As we watch this video footage right now, Jacob Chansley sits in prison. He's incarcerated. He's facing a four-year prison sentence for breaching the United States Capitol. There's no proof that he breached the United States Capitol. We'll, we'll, we'll see in other video footage, and Tucker Carlson aired video footage that showed from the inside police officers opening the door. So if the barrier around the Capitol that was supposed to secure a perimeter where people weren't allowed to cross that line, if that barrier had been removed and there was no barrier, how were police put people supposed to know that they weren't allowed there? How are they culpable if they are unaware that they're not allowed in a certain area? And if the door is opened by a police officer, that seems like a welcome. That seems like a permissible entry. That's not breaching the Capitol. So here's my question. Jacob Chansley is sitting in prison after being convicted and now is serving a four-year prison sentence. Was he allowed to use this video at his trial? This video is what's called exculpatory evidence. 
that disproves the prosecution's case against Jacob Chansley. He wasn't allowed to use this. Was he allowed to use this? If so, why aren't we, why have we not seen this before? Why have we not heard about this before? How was this man convicted if he wasn't allowed to use this? And if he wasn't allowed to use this, was this not a violation of his fundamental constitutional rights? The answers to those questions might seem obvious because they are obvious. It is the right of every person who faces trial who is prosecuted by the United States government to defend themselves. They have a right to present exculpatory evidence. They have a right to access exculpatory evidence. It is not a fair or a just trial if they are deprived of that right. Jacob Chansley was deprived of that right. He wasn't armed. He was carrying an American flag. Now, you can, you can take issue, as I do, you can take issue with those who vandalized the Capitol. That was wrong. They should not have vandalized the Capitol. There was a small fraction of malcontents who destroyed the property around the Capitol. But if you didn't break a window and you didn't forcibly breach a door, the door was open to you, and you walked peaceably around the building and police officers tried to help you access the actual chamber, the United States of the United States Congress, they did nothing to say, hey dude, you're not really supposed to be in here, let me escort you out. They certainly didn't handcuff him or try to usher him. They just kind of hung out with him. How are you guilty to the point that you can be incarcerated for four years? Jacob Chansley is the definition of a political prisoner. He is imprisoned right now because of his support of Trump. He's imprisoned right now because, and YouTube won't let me say this, he's imprisoned right now because he felt that what happened during the 2020 presidential election was fishy. He's imprisoned because he knew that the process, the electioneering that underpinned the process of the election resulted in a different outcome for the election. And he went to the Capitol to make his voice heard, to peaceably assemble, to petition the government for a redress of grievances, and this is what happened to him. He's incarcerated for four years when exculpatory evidence existed in the hands of Nancy Pelosi, and she refused to relinquish it to him. And I, I by the way, I know what the police's defense here is, or the Capitol Police defense, or defense of the Capitol Police, I should say. Defense of the Capitol Police is, oh, they were trying to de-escalate. They were so outnumbered by these thousands of protesters who were converging on the Capitol that all they wanted to do was make sure that it didn't become violent. So they didn't want to aggressively address the people who had gone into the building. And this doesn't make any sense. I reject this hypothesis because in most of that video footage that we saw of Jacob Chansley, there were like 10 police officers and just him. This was not a, a, a giant mob and one or two police officers who were obviously outnumbered. He was in a hallway with multiple police officers and he was by himself except for the police. This would have caused zero problems for the police to be like, hey buddy, here's a door over here, you gotta get out. Or, you know, we don't think you should be in here. If you persist in walking this way, we're gonna arrest you or we're gonna escort you out. Nothing, nothing. And this was not de-escalating de behavior or an attitude. You can see that in the demeanor of police officers when they're deliberately keeping their 
tone of voice calm, but their body language shows that they are primed for whatever might escalate any moment. That's not what, that's not the attitude of these police officers. Some of them had their shoulders turned and their backs turned away from him. These are, these are not police officers who think there's going to be an escalation. These are police officers who are genuinely comfortable in the circumstance that they're in, which means they didn't think Jacob Chansley was a threat. They didn't think that what he was doing, his presence in the Capitol building was wrong. For two years, we've been waiting for the smoking gun. If this isn't a smoking gun, I don't know what is. The mainstream media and the January 6th committee and everyone from Kamala Harris to Joe Biden have used this term deadly insurrection to describe what happened on January 6th. It's, it's, it's been overused so many times. It's like the boy who cried wolf. No one believes that this was an insurrection to begin with. But using the term over and over and over doesn't make me believe it. It just, it just doles the term. It makes the term have no meaning in my ears. It just rings hollow in my ears. There was no one murdered by any of the protesters, even the, even the malcontents and the hooligans and the vandals. None. Those people didn't physically cause the death of any police officers, yet that's what we were told in the case of Officer Brian Sicknick. We were told that that police officer was murdered in the Capitol. The video footage, Tucker Carlson airs, thoroughly debunks this false narrative. And several police officers in the meantime... But Brian Sicknick should not be reduced to a prop for the political ambitions of the Democratic Party. He was a human being. The facts of his life matter, including how he died. To this day, media accounts describe Sicknick as someone who was, quote, slain on January 6th. The video we reviewed proves that is a lie. Here is surveillance footage of Sicknick walking in the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by the mob outside. By all appearances, Sicknick is healthy and vigorous. He's wearing a helmet, so it's hard to imagine he was killed by a head injury. Whatever happened to Brian Sicknick was very obviously not the result of violence he suffered at the entrance to the Capitol. This tape overturns the single most powerful and politically useful lie the Democrats have told us about January 6th. And it was indeed a lie. The January 6th committee knew perfectly well that Brian Sicknick was walking normally through the Capitol after he was supposedly murdered by Trump supporters. And they know that because they saw this tape. We can be sure because the footage contains an electronic bookmark that is still archived in the Capitol's computer system. Of all the video footage that Tucker Carlson aired, that might be the most devastating for the left's narrative on January 6th. Because they can always deny, oh, we didn't look through the 44,000 hours of footage, we didn't know, they can misinterpret this, that, or the next. But to know that the Capitol computers that Tucker Carlson's producers used to access this footage, to comb through it, to document, or to, to pull this documentation from January 6th to show us what happened, that there are timestamps, there are bookmarks that show that someone else accessed it and show when it accessed it, when someone else accessed it, to know for a fact that the January 6th committee knew that Brian Sicknick was alive, that he wasn't beaten to death by a fire extinguisher by a Trump supporter, which is what we were told, they knew they were lying to us. They knew it, but they didn't care because they thought, well, Nancy Pelosi is never gonna give the public this video footage. How would anyone ever be able to disprove our lie? And this lie was crucial to the entire narrative of January 6th. If it weren't deadly, would people really be that interested? If it weren't an insurrection, would people really care that much? 
They deliberately lied, and the timestamp shows that they were in full knowledge of the truth as they sat before us in a staged show trial produced by an NBC producer, looked us in the eyes through the camera, and lied to us. These people who are supposed to be in the United States Congress representing us. That might be the most chilling part of the entire investigation that Tucker Carlson has unveiled. As the nation gears up for another election season, tune to the first TV for the best coverage on television. Get an exclusive inside look at the American political machine with Sean Spicer at 7. Unmatched analysis and historical perspective from Bill O'Reilly at 8. Then a bold, unapologetic take from Jesse Kelly at 9. It's must-see TV in primetime every night on the first TV. Watch the first on DirecTV Channel 347, Uverse Channel 1220, or DirecTV Stream. America is on trial. Join me, Josh Hammer, as we examine the presidential election through the only lens that truly matters, the legal proceedings of Donald Trump and the Biden crime family. This new daily podcast examines breaking news and analyzes the biggest questions facing the country. Can the former president, Donald Trump, get a fair trial? Can Trump be disqualified from the ballot? Can Joe Biden pardon his son, Hunter? Can Trump even pardon himself? We cover all the action every morning. Listen to America on Trial wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Tucker Carlson also addressed, and this is a very interesting part to address because of the Rasmussen poll that I mentioned, the Rasmussen poll that found that 61% of people in our country think that the feds played a pretty important role in January 6th, coordinating it, encouraging it, staging it. That includes the majority of Democrats, 57% of Democrats think that the feds played a part in staging and encouraging and coordinating January 6th. Well, who is the most prominent person associated with the the Fed boys? That would be Ray Epps. Ray Epps was a very prominent figure in footage that was taken just by other people who were attending the January 6th protests. And Ray Epps was pointed out as someone that most likely seemed like a Fed because he was directing people to break into the Capitol. He was right on the scene when the first barrier was breached. He kind of looked like he was giving directions for that to happen. It's pretty obvious that Ray Epps in his red mega hat, very conspicuous, was um, a key player in the events that unfolded on that day. And yet, at first, Ray Epps was on the most wanted list. When, when, When the feds released this most wanted list of people who had attended the protest, who'd who'd been in the Capitol on January 6th, Ray Epps appeared on that list, but then suddenly, for no reason that was evident to the public, Ray Epps disappeared off that list. He was never arrested. He was never charged. Why? Well, the obvious reason why is because he's some sort of federal federal asset. He's some sort of, he's some sort of fed boy, but he denies it. The Democrats denied it. But it turns out that Ray Epps told a lie. When the January 6th committee was finally pressured into interviewing Ray Epps, he said that he left the Capitol at a certain time, but this footage proves that Ray Epps was lying. Take a look. Under public pressure, the January 6th committee finally interviewed Ray Epps. Epps told the committee that he never entered the Capitol and therefore never committed a crime. His text messages showed that at 2.12 p.m., he boasted to his nephew that he had, quote, orchestrated the protests at the Capitol. He admitted he helped get people there. 
Yet, curiously, congressional Democrats consider Ray Epps an ally, not an insurrectionist. Tonight, we can tell you that at the very least, Ray Epps lied in his sworn testimony to the January 6th committee. Epps testified that when he sent the text messages to his nephew, he had already left the Capitol grounds to return to his hotel room. That is not true. The surveillance footage we found shows that, in fact, Ray Epps remained at the Capitol for at least another half an hour. You're seeing that on your screen now. What was Epps doing there? We can't say. But we do know that he lied to investigators. The January 6th committee likely knew this, too. Democrats had access to the same tape, yet they defended Ray Epps. No honest investigation would do that. But the point of the January 6th committee was never to investigate anything. The point. Here's the key question. The key question is if someone, Ray Epps in this case, is willing to lie under oath, which he did provably when he said I texted my nephew after I'd left the Capitol when the tapes, the videotapes proved that he was still at the Capitol for 30 minutes after he sent those texts. If he's willing to lie under oath about that, why wouldn't he be willing to lie under oath about his association with federal law enforcement agencies, especially when he's supposed to be some sort of covert fed. Now, the answer to that, if you're like me, is, well, if you lie once under oath, then I'm sure you're lying again. Liars don't lie just once. Liars lie perpetually. Ray Epps, this is the reason why, this is the reason why 61% of the American people think that the feds helped coordinate and provoke January 6th. The, the, the key number in that poll that gets me isn't that 61% of people overall believe that, it's that 57% of Democrats believe that. Democrats, over half of Democrats think that it is likely that the feds provoked the behavior, some, some of this stuff that happened at the Capitol on January 6th. So the lies the Democrats are telling in the January 6th committee, the lies that we've heard from the mainstream media, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, people know they're lying. Even voters in their own party know that they're lying because everything associated with January 6th has been a lie. And that includes the reason January 6th happened in the beginning. This is what the Democrats don't want us to talk about. This is what big tech won't allow us to address. In fact, we may have to bleep out a little bit of this on YouTube because we're going to talk for probably a minute about the reason that people showed up, the reason so many Americans converged on Washington, D.C. on the day that the Electoral College was supposed to, the electoral vote was supposed to be certified on the Capitol. The reason so many Americans felt that something fishy had happened during the presidential election in 2020. If you want to see the fully uncensored version, if you're watching this, um, you can go to rumble.com slash Liz Wheeler, but we have to, we have to bleep this out on YouTube. We'll, we'll be right back shortly. The reason so many people converged on the Capitol is because we all had that feeling in our gut. Do you remember what that felt like? We had that feeling in our gut when Joe Biden, who is a walking vegetable, who had barely left his basement, who couldn't speak without making a gaffe, who was, con- who was uh, uh, campaigning on policies that were the opposite of policies that had served the American people so well that President Trump had implemented policies that led to unemployment rates at historically low levels, that people's paychecks were increasing, that we were safer, we were more secure, that people were prospering. We were ending forever wars. We weren't starting new wars. We were actually confronting China's currency manipulation that impacts the U.S. economy. All of these different 
things that were happening that President Trump was appointing good, solid judges, for the most part, to the federal judiciary. And then all of a sudden, Biden won. And we thought, well, wait a second. It wasn't just that Biden won. It was that votes, that that precincts stopped counting votes in the middle of the night, that these mail-in ballots kept, they kept finding batches of mail-in ballots, that they were accepting these mail-in ballots long after the election deadline, that signature verification was so degraded. that there, there were these ballot harvesting operations that were at least unfair and borderline unethical, if not outright illegal. These, these procedures had been changed in elections at the state level in the lead up to the 2020 election in the name of COVID. You have to do this, the left said. You have to make sure that universal mail-in ballots happen, that there are drop boxes unattended, that, that, that ballot harvesting is a thing or else everyone's gonna die of COVID. And so you remember that feeling that we all felt in our stomach after Joe Biden won. We thought, you know what? Something just doesn't, doesn't taste right here. Something just seems like it was off. And we didn't know immediately what it was. We didn't know what, what the voter fraud was, whether it was outright fraud, whether it was electioneering, which is the, the change of those, those processes and procedures at the state level and in election administration. We didn't know what it was. And there were a lot of theories out there, some theories that were spot on and some theories that were not correct at all. We didn't know. And it takes time to know. And people showed up on January 6th when the Electoral College vote was going to be certified because they wanted a delay. They wanted to be sure. They wanted to be confident in the outcome of a presidential election. Because if you're not, if a citizenry is not confident in their election systems, then what does that mean for self-governance? The number of people that showed up in Washington, D.C. scared the Democrats. And they knew that this was going to happen. They knew this many people were going to show up because they could read what the American people were thinking after, tw- after the election, before the certification of the election. And they knew they had to do something to distract. They had to vilify us. They had to demonize us. They had to brand it as the big lie. So that if you expressed any skepticism or uncertainty or ask any questions about what happened in the lead up to the 2020 election or during the 2020 election, that they could discount you without addressing the concrete material of your argument, of your concerns. And this is what they constructed. They constructed a big lie all of their own. And every element of this narrative painted by the left was a lie. They said Trump tried to subvert the Constitution. Trump did no such thing. In fact, what did President Trump do? He's been excoriated over and over for those legal memos, right? Where he had lawyers that were advising him on, on, on certain possible avenues of recourse, certain legal philosophies they were exploring on how he could contest the certification of the Electoral College. And a, a, the left in general says Trump was trying to subvert the Constitution. He was trying to stage a coup. And I always laugh when I hear that because I was like, it's the opposite. Trump felt that something fishy was happen, happened, had happened, and so what was he doing? He was exploring within the bounds of the Constitution and within the bounds of our rule of law, he was exploring any avenue of recourse to try to right what he thought was wrong, to investigate what he felt was fishy. He didn't go outside the Constitution, he was exploring every possible avenue of recourse within the bounds of the Constitution. It's the opposite of a coup. Exploring your options within the rule of law is like being smart with your money about paying taxes. No one wants to pay is it wants to pay a, a huge amount in taxes. And so people 
are smart about what they do, where they store their money, how they give to give to charity, how they pay their employees in order to reduce their tax rate. That's there's a difference between trying to reduce the amount of taxes you pay and being a tax cheat. What Trump did is the equivalent of that. He was trying to look at every possible recourse within the bounds of the Constitution, not outside of it. What he was exploring was perfectly valid, meaning the, his 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 exploration was valid, even if some of the ideas that they privately discussed maybe weren't good. He's allowed to discuss them. He's allowed to explore them. That is the opposite of subverting the Constitution, the absolute opposite. And by the way, by the way, if you want to travel just a couple years back in time to January 6th of 2017, when President Trump had won the election in 2016 and the Electoral College vote was being certified in in January, on, on January 6th, Democrats tried to stop the certification of the Electoral College vote. But you didn't hear anybody at the time saying that that was trying to subvert the Constitution. You didn't hear anybody at the time saying that was a coup attempt, an insurrection. No, no. It was valid when Democrats do it. It was only, it was only subverting the Constitution when Trump did it. Of course, we also heard the narrative that Trump coordinated the vandalism and the protests, peaceful and not peaceful, that happened at the Capitol after he had given that speech at the White House. But even Rolling Stone said, listen, the communications between the organizers showed no evidence whatsoever of coordination between the organizers of Trump's rally and the organizers of the, pro- the peaceful protests and the vandals that committed, that committed vandalism in and around the Capitol. There's no evidence of that. That's simply a lie. Another lie. But this didn't stop the left from saying, well, he might not have coordinated it, but he incited it. His words were literal violence. His words, even though they said the opposite of calling for violence, were actually a call for violence. This is the clip that the left still to this day claims shows that Trump was calling for violence at the Capitol when it shows the express opposite. We have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated, lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today, we will see whether Republicans stand strong for integrity of our elections, but whether or not they stand strong for our country. So what are those words that President Trump says? He says, march peacefully and patriotically to the Capitol and make your voices heard. And yet somehow Democrats heard this to mean go and be violent. It means the opposite, the absolute opposite. And then when President Trump saw the violence happening at the the vandalism and the violence happening at the Capitol, he released a video on Twitter in which he unequivocally condemned anybody committing violence and called for that violence to stop. This is what he said. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack on the United States Capitol. Like all Americans, I am outraged by the violence, lawlessness, and mayhem. I immediately deployed the National Guard and federal law enforcement to secure the building and expel the intruders. America is and must always be a nation of law and order. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defiled the seat of American democracy. 
to those who engaged in the acts of violence and destruction, you do not represent our country. And to those who broke the law, you will pay. That sounds pretty strongly worded to me. That sounds like an unequivocal condemnation of violence and an instruction to stop and go home immediately. But Twitter, this is pre-Elon Musk Twitter, banned that video within minutes of Trump posting it, and the mainstream media and the left continued to claim that Trump not only called for violence and incited it, but refused to condemn it once he realized it was happening. It was all a lie. The whole thing was a lie. Every single building block that the left used to construct this fabrication was false. The video footage that Tucker Carlson aired proved this. I mean, this was not an insurrection. It was vandalism. There was some vandalism. And that's wrong. There was some breaking of windows, and that's wrong. Those people should be held to account, sure. No one thinks that they shouldn't be. But political prisoners incarcerated for years? When there was exculpatory evidence that existed on Capitol computers that Nancy Pelosi refused to allow access to? That's evil. It's frightening to think that this can happen to people in our country based on the political candidate that they support. It's bad enough that it's happening to these people, but if it's happening to them, what's the limiting principle? Why couldn't it happen to you or to me, to our families? In any political activism that we engage in, if we happen to be in the wrong jurisdiction, if we happen to be in Washington, D.C., I mean, how many protests have you attended in Washington, D.C.? How many rallies? I can't even count how many I have. Is this what we risk? Taking part in our self-governance, making our voices heard? We risk congressional committees weaponizing the power of the federal government in lies against us and federal law enforcement being complicit, being directed by the, spe by the former Speaker of the House now, but at the time, the powerful Speaker of the House instigated and promoted and provoked and coordinated by supposedly federal law enforcement agents. This was not a deadly insurrection. There were five people that were killed this day, and none of them were murdered by the protesters. Ashley Babbitt was murdered by a Capitol Police officer, and which, by the way, there's no footage of, because, strangely enough, outside of the Speaker's Lounge is one of the few, one of the only blacked-out spots that isn't over, under video surveillance. And forgive me if I'm a little skeptical of this, if I find this very, very hard to believe. The Speaker of the House, one of the most powerful people in the country, in the Capitol building, and there's no video footage? There's no surveillance footage? Why would that be a blind spot? Like, a mop closet in the basement that's, in, that's not frequented and locked? Like, sure, okay, maybe we don't need any, maybe we don't need a surveillance camera on that. But right outside the Speaker's lounge? Are you kidding? Forgive me if I find that very, very hard to believe, and that's exactly where Ashley Babbitt was shot. Not by a protester, by a police officer. The other people who died on that day, Kevin Greeson died of um, cardiovascular disease. That was not a murder. Benjamin Phillips died also of cardiovascular disease. Roseanne Boyland died by overdose, and then or simultaneously was brutally beaten by Capitol Police and her body was mishandled. She was dragged into a tunnel. And Officer Brian Sicknick, though we were told he was beaten by a fire extinguisher, that was not true. He was walking around moving signs after he was supposedly already dead. And then he died later of natural causes after, long after January 6th, hours later after he had left the building. This was not a deadly insurrection. Let's not pretend the rioters killed anybody. They didn't. 
The purpose of this entire event was to stop Donald Trump. To stop Donald Trump from being president, to stop Donald Trump from representing us. Congresswoman Cheney, former Congresswoman Cheney, it gives me great delight to say that phrase. At the, during the January 6th committee, I want to read this exact phrase to you. This is what, this is the question she posed. She said, quote, did Donald Trump, through action or inaction, corruptly seek to obstruct or impede Congress's proceedings? That question tells us everything we need to know about this, this big lie. The phrase, the words that she's reading are from a United States statute. It's 18 USC 1505. And if found guilty of that statute, an individual is disqualified from seeking public office in the future. They are barred from being the president of the United States. That's the point of this entire proceeding. That is why you and I, why Democrats and mainstream media figures looked us in the eyes and told us bald-faced lies. Because they think we're not only wrong politically, they think we are so evil and so bad because we have not conformed to their radical leftist ideology that we deserve what we get. That we deserve to be targeted by the Capitol Police. We deserve to be silenced. We deserve to be canceled. The one part of the Tucker Carlson video footage that I was disappointed in was the lack of facial recognition. Tucker addressed this at the beginning of his show. He said, listen, there were some people that we noted acted strangely that were not acting in an organic way. They seemed somewhat of an aberration, which would indicate that these people might be federal agents. But he said, lacking facial recognition software, we didn't want to levy any false accusations against people that maybe they were just weird. Maybe they were just freaks. Maybe they had another reason for acting strangely. He didn't want to identify the individuals uh, because they didn't have facial recognition software to do the background research on who they were before he would make the case that they were acting strange and present a conjecture that perhaps they were federal agents, perhaps they were involved. And that to me is disappointing. I understand what Tucker's doing. I respect what he's doing as a journalist because he doesn't want to subject these people to the hatred of the left. He doesn't want to issue false accusations. That's fine. I understand that. However, I will say something needs to be done to figure out the extent to which the FBI orchestrated, provoked, encouraged, and coordinated January 6th. There's, an, there's a report out of the Washington field office of the FBI. This is a Daily Caller report that I want to read to you. It said the FBI's Washington field office affirmed that there may have been undercover officers and confidential human sources inside the Capitol on January 6, 2021. This according to whistleblower testimony obtained by the Daily Caller. The FBI's Washington field office requested the Boston field office opened investigations into 140 individuals who took buses from Massachusetts to DC on January 6th, but denied the office's request to see video proving that those individuals were inside the Capitol. This is according to an FBI whistleblower named George Hill. Um, the office claimed they needed to quote unquote, protect the identity of possible undercover agents. This according to Hill. So what happened, according to the Daily Caller, the Boston office initially opened cases on two individuals that definitive evidence showed were in restricted areas of the Capitol. This is according to Hill. 
Because those individuals organized the buses to DC, the WFO wanted cases, the Washington field office, wanted cases open on every individual on the bus. When another SSA asked to see where they were inside the Capitol, the Washington field office declined to show the footage unless they knew the exact time and place those individuals were inside the Capitol. Well, why can't you give us access to the 11,000 hours of video that's available, the SSA asked. The Washington field office responded that there, quote, may be undercover officers or confidential human sources on those videos whose identity we need to protect. That is what Hill testified. He said he heard these conversations firsthand. This on the heels of uh, Christopher Wray, the FBI director, refusing to confirm or deny that the FBI had, feds had undercover agents embedded in the crowds on January 6th, which of course they did. And then uh, Jill Sandborn of the FBI also refused to answer the question when Senator Ted Cruz asked her, asked her the same thing in January of 2023. The big question still remains, what role did the FBI and other federal law enforcement agencies play in coordinating and provoking January 6th? What did Nancy Pelosi know? What did Mayor of Washington, D.C., Muriel Bowser, know? The answers to those questions are out there. It might have taken us two years to get this video footage to see the key parts of the Democrat narrative exposed as the lies that we always knew they were. But the answers to the questions of what Nancy Pelosi knew, what she coordinated, what she directed, what Mayor Bowser knew, what she coordinated, what she directed, what the FBI knew, what they coordinated, what they directed, what their undercover assets did on January 6th, the answers are out there. And we will find them. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. 